Hey, I'm Erica Wides, and I'm the host of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on Heritage Radio Network. So yeah, I'm a radio host, but what this is, is the TV companion to my radio show, where you can actually see me cook and talk about food. So on Let's Get Real, the radio show, what I like to talk about is the difference between food and what I call foodiness. Foodiness is all the manufactured, processed, packaged garbage that Americans eat all the time that's disguised as real food. But it's not real food. And so I want to show you here today and in future episodes how to cook real food, delicious, healthy, easy to make, totally accessible, real food so that you don't wind up eating foodiness ever again. All right, so I want to make a dessert now. Um, it's a lemon dessert, and you know, I love lemon. And what I love about lemon is it's kind of like, it's, it's seasonless, like lemony things are great in the summer, but lemony things are really nice in the winter too. So lemon's sort of like the all-purpose year-round fruit. It's great that way. Everybody loves lemon. Um, so what this recipe is, is a souffle. But don't get scared, because it's not like a fancy pants French, like, ooh, souffle, order in advance, be afraid. It's not like that. It's a, actually a lemon pudding souffle. Everybody loves pudding. Pudding's approachable. Everybody, you know, is down with pudding. And what happens when you bake this lemon pudding souffle is actually the pudding layer sinks to the bottom and the souffle layer sinks to the top. And so you have this like double sensation when you're eating it. It's really awesome. It's delicious. Let's stop talking and make it. So what I need to do is I need to zest some lemon. So we need that brightly colored outer layer of the lemon of course, and if you know me and you watch this show, you know I love lemon. So I have the zest of two lemons in this little bowl. I'm just gonna set that aside. And what I wanna do in here is combine some flour. So this is a pudding souffle, as I said. It has very little flour in it, but it has just enough flour to give it a little bit of structure. Without the flour in there, it wouldn't really have anything to kind of rise up on itself. So we've got some flour in here, half cup flour, and a teeny pinch of salt. Salt is really important when you make desserts and when you make sweet things because salt not only balances out sweetness, but salt actually acts as like a chemical flavor enhancer and it brings up all the dimensions of all the other flavors. So salt is like a super key player here. And then I have some sugar, it's about a half cup of sugar. And I'm gonna combine those together just to get the dry ingredients really well mixed. Okay. So I have the dry ingredients well mixed, and now what I want to do, space, set that aside for a second, and now I want to mix together my wet ingredients. So my wet ingredients include the zest, plus I have a lot of lemon juice here. This is about a half a cup of lemon juice, and a little more sugar. We separate the sugar into the two separate components of the dessert. Grab my whisk. And I'm also gonna add three egg yolks. So the eggs are separated for this. The yolks are separate from the whites. The yolks help to build the pudding base and the whites help to lift the souffle layer up. So the eggs have two purposes in this. And then I'm gonna just break up those egg yolks a little bit. And then I'm gonna add some milk. 
I know you thought I was gonna drink this, but no, I'm an adult. I don't drink big glasses of milk. But the milk gets whisked in to that also, and combined with the yolks and sugar and the lemon juice. And we combine that all together. Okay, so now what we have to do is put this whole thing together. So remember, what I have here is the bowl with my dry ingredients, the flour, the sugar, uh, a little bit of salt, and then the bowl with my wet ingredients, and then I also have my egg whites. So the egg whites are going to have to be whipped into a soft peak form. Now, you can do this in a machine, a mixer machine, or you can do it with an electric hand mixer, or you can do it by hand with a whisk. Now, I'm a big fan of doing it by hand because I think it builds character if you do things by hand, but we're gonna use a machine today. And I'm gonna throw those in the machine in just a second, and we're gonna whip into what we call soft peak. And when we hit that point, I'll show you what it looks like. Before I do that, I'm gonna combine my wets into my dries. This is gonna make the pudding base. So this is the milk and the lemon juice and the zest and the egg yolks, and that's just gonna get mixed in with the flour and the sugar. And that little bit of salt, remember how important that is. We just wanna whisk that to combine it. And it looks pretty loose, but that's okay because the yolks are actually gonna act as a thickener and they'll make the pudding really thicken up. So this is the pudding layer. Then we're gonna make our souffle layer in a second with our egg whites. So this is the pudding base, and now I'm gonna put my egg whites into my machine and start whipping them to what we call soft peak. And once they're a little bit frothy, I'm also gonna add a little bit of sugar to that. So now I'm just going to add the sugar to the eggs once they've got a little frothy. And now I want to let the machine run until I hit soft peaks. Okay, I'm just going to free up some space here so I have room to work. And now, let's check out those eggs. So what we're looking for here is what we call soft peaks. Okay, so what we're looking for is soft peaks, which means when I dip my spatula in there and I lift it up and I turn it over, I have a nice little peak right there that flops just a little bit. Okay, so that looks really good. It won't be fully combined. You'll still have some liquid on the bottom and that's okay. Now what I need to do is pour this into my baking dish. So, what I have is a ceramic baking dish that I've coated with some butter, so it's not gonna stick. You can also do this in individual ramekins. You can serve it as little mini desserts or you can do it in one baking dish. This is a quart baking dish. And I have it set inside another pan because I have to bake this in a water bath. So I'm gonna put the pudding mixture into the small baking dish and then I'll pour boiling water into the larger baking dish so when I bake it, it's insulated. Okay, so the pudding souffle mixture is gonna just get poured right into the baking dish like that. And I like to just smooth it out a little bit, make sure it's really evenly distributed. Okay, let me make some space, because I have to get rid of this. And here in this pot, I have some water that just came to a boil. It doesn't have to be rolling boil, it just has to be really hot water. And very carefully, pour it down the side. Make sure you don't get it in the pudding 
just in the baking dish. And you only need to go about halfway up the sides of the smaller baking dish. So just like that. Now we'll transfer it to the oven. You want to be really careful because you have hot water in there, so don't let it slosh around. If you don't feel safe walking with this, you can also set this in the oven and then pour your boiling water in while it's sitting on the rack. That's a little bit safer, actually. Okay, so this is going to go in the oven at 350 for about a half an hour or until it's puffed and the top starts to get a little bit golden. Hi, I'm Chef Joe Simonero with Taste This Television. Take a look at this gear right here. Chef Revival knows how to form comfortability for chefs out there. For chefs in the kitchen, heat resistant, the look, the feel. Hey, you're working in the kitchen all day long. You want something that you're going to be comfortable in. Well, Chef Revival has got you covered. Everything from chef hats to chef pants to chef jackets and different kinds of apparel that the chef at home can use. So for more information and to find out some more incredible products on their site, log on to ChefRevival.com. All right, so let's celebrate the summer now and make salad. Um, this is an amazing salad because it's super simple. It uses the best of the summer's ingredients, and you can make it with everything raw if you're into that, or you can do some of it cooked and some of it raw. So it's a corn, watermelon, and zucchini salad with a little bit of toasted almonds and some really nice fresh seasonal herbs. The corn, if it's in season and it's local and it's delicious and fresh, you could just eat it raw. It's kind of amazing. Now, you know, I'm a chef, so I'm all about cooking, but I do appreciate raw also. Um, but when corn is like super fresh, local, in season, it's so sweet, you can, you just eat it raw, it's fine. Now this corn, I actually dunked in boiling water for only about 20, 30 seconds to blanch. So it's just minimally cooked. And I do that really just to kind of bring out a little bit more of the sweetness. So what I wanna do before I even start cutting that is get my almonds toasted. So these are just slivered almonds. And I'm gonna toss them into a saute pan and I just wanna get them really lightly toasted. So you can see how the almonds, they've just gotten a little bit of golden color around the edges and that's really what you want. All you're doing is kind of refreshing them and getting that little bit of, of toasted flavor on them. So I'm gonna just put those right back in the bowl. Okay, and those are ready to go. You could use almonds, you could use uh, walnuts, you could use pine nuts, which are really nice in the summer. You can also do this nut free. Now here's that corn that I talked about that this one's been blanched for just a few seconds in boiling water. You can also do it raw. Okay, so we want to get the corn off of the cob. The best way to do this is to set the corn in a bowl with some sides so your corn doesn't go flying all over your board. And then use a serrated knife. You want it almost like a saw. If you use a straight edge knife, it's not going to work as well. And you just saw your corn up and down like that until it falls off. So you just shave it right off like that. And what you can even sometimes do, if the corn's really nice and really fresh, is you can scrape like this. You see what you get? This really nice kind of creamy, it's called corn milk, basically. And if you have really fresh, sweet, delicious corn, use it, get the most out of it. So that's great. And then you can even get more value out of your corn. If you save these cobs, you can make a corn stock. 
So you could throw these cobs into a pot with some carrots, some celery, some onions, and some water, and actually boil it up, and you'll use the corn cob as if it were like chicken bones, and you can make stock out of it. So that's pretty cool. You almost get like three uses out of one cob of corn. And as you know, I am thrifty in the kitchen, so I don't like any waste. So I'm gonna set this aside, and I just wanna break this corn up a little bit because we don't want like these big planks of corn, we just want some little individual pieces. But you don't have to take it down to single kernel, just loosen it up a little bit. But you could leave some attached. And it adds visual appeal if you have bigger and smaller pieces. Okay, so that looks great. Let's get that corn off my hands. Now I'm gonna turn the corn into this big bowl because I need some more space. Because I'll be tossing the salad together in a larger bowl. Now here, I'm going to work on my zucchini. So this is a tool called a mandolin. So this is a Japanese mandolin. It's a much more um, inexpensive version of like the big French, uh, the French stainless steel mandolin. And these are great to have at home because you can slice things really thin. You can do very finely shredded stuff. I really love these. I tell everybody to get one of these. So I'm gonna smooth that. And what I'm gonna do is start slicing my zucchini on the mandolin. I'm looking for really, really thin, long ribbons. It's a very nice way to serve zucchini, especially when it's raw. It's always good to have it sliced really thin. So you just hold the mandolin and you just start shaving like that. And we're looking for really nice, fine ribbons like that. Okay, so that's just about the whole zucchini. And I'm gonna add that to the corn in the bowl. And you see, you just get these really nice ribbons and they're nice and thin. And as this sits in the dressing, they're actually gonna get really soft. So you don't have to go like paper thin. You wanna go almost paper thin. So those are gonna go in the bowl with the corn, okay? And the next thing we'll do is chop up some watermelon. So you wanna get seedless watermelon, which is really all you can find in the market now. I don't, it's been years since I saw watermelon with seeds. I don't know what happened. They've been genetically engineered out. And I'm gonna take the watermelon off of the rind. And you can save that rind, of course, if you want to make watermelon pickles, if you're thrifty. And then I'm gonna just dice this up. So I like to slice it into like planks, and then I like to cut the planks into little bars. Like in French, these are called batonnettes. So now the watermelon will go into the bowl with the zucchini and the corn. So now I just wanna dress it. I'm gonna use some fresh lime juice and you wanna always roll your citrus when you're juicing it because it helps to loosen up the juice, makes it juicier. And also you can consider this part of your upper body workout. So it counts. Okay, and then I'm gonna cut. Now I'm gonna cut this lemon or this lime I'm gonna cut this lime in a way that maybe I haven't seen before. Instead of going across the middle like that, I'm actually gonna cut it lengthwise but slightly off center, like this. Now what that does is it actually exposes a lot more cells. It cuts across the cells as opposed to cutting between the cells and it lets you access a lot more juice. It's actually a lot easier to squeeze this way. Once we have both sides cut, we're gonna squeeze lime juice into there. Remember in this bowl I have the corn, the zucchini, and the watermelon so far. Add the lime juice. And now I wanna add some really good olive oil. You wanna try to buy the best olive oil that you can afford. And um, I'm a big fan of domestic California olive oils. I think they're really the best. 
But whatever you like, choose the olive oil that you like. So just a little drizzle of olive oil on there, about a tablespoon, not too much. You can put a little more if you want. And then a good grinding of some black pepper. And I always grind my own black pepper. Don't buy that pre-ground crap in the supermarket. Grind your own black pepper. It's so much fresher. It's so much better. It's like coffee. You know, you don't want to buy pre-ground coffee. You grind your own beans. It's the same thing with black pepper. So good dose of black pepper in there. And this is just some flaky sea salt, fancy salt. You don't have to use fancy salt. You can use kosher salt or any sea salt. But don't use the fine table salt. It doesn't taste as good. It doesn't really react well in food. Use either kosher salt or a flaky sea salt. A little more in there. And I'm gonna mix that together. And I'm actually gonna use these. I'm gonna use the tools I was given by nature because I want this mixed really gently. You don't wanna break the watermelon. You don't wanna damage anything. So just use your hands. I mean, make sure they're clean, but use your hands. Don't be afraid to get your hands into your food. It's important that you know how it feels and that you feel connected to it. Okay, so I'm gonna transfer this now to a serving platter. It looks nice on something long like that. And you can just kind of scatter it on the platter. You can be as architectural as you like or not, like this. And then the last part of this, which is really my favorite part of this whole dish, is the herbs. I want fresh green herbs on there. So I have some cilantro and I have some really nice mint right here, really bright, vibrant, fresh. And all I wanna do is tear my herbs. I really don't like chopping them. When you chop green leafy herbs, it actually takes away a lot of their flavor. It really kind of kills them. So I'm a big fan of just tearing herbs like that. Keep them really rough. And then the final addition is those toasted almonds and a little sprinkling of the toasted almonds on top. And the almonds add a little crunch, they add a little protein to the dish, they add a little bit of richness. It really pulls it all together. And then that's really it. What I like to do at this point is just a little bit more pepper and that is done. So to me, this is like summer on a plate. It doesn't really get any better than this and who really wants to cook in the summer? So that looks Amazing. This is our corn, zucchini, and watermelon salad with toasted almonds and freshly torn cilantro and mint. And I'm gonna go in the back now and eat this whole thing myself and I'm not sharing it with the crew. Because to me, this is the taste of summer. Hi, I'm Chef Joseph Nair with Taste Is Television. Wanna to talk to you about an incredible licorice product that you will be amazed with. And it's called Australian Style Licorice. Now, today I'm using their gourmet black flavor, but as you can see here, they have a variety of different flavors, starting with gourmet red, green apple, etc. What makes this licorice so special is it's soft, chewy, and tastes fabulous. Now, gourmet black is my favorite, and I'm gonna pair it with a steak stir-fry. So first, I'm gonna take a hot pan, I'm gonna dabble some olive oil in there. I'm gonna add some onions, some peppers, carrots, salt, and pepper. Now at the same time I'm cooking down these vegetables and looking to get the sugar content down, I'm adding the licorice diced up. As you can see I have my gourmet black licorice and immediately when the licorice hits the flavor of the hot pan, you hear, you smell the aromas coming up. 
and you can smell that black licorice. Black licorice goes incredible with filet mignon, and that's what I have here. Sliced filet mignon, in which I've seared the outside, then julienned it. And we're gonna put that in that stir fry as well. Give it a couple of seconds. And at the very end of this dish, I'm going to take some balsamic vinegar and deglaze the pan. This is going to give all the flavors such incredible flavor together. You have the balsamic, the flavor of the licorice, and then we have a bed of rice here in which we're going to put our stir fry right over the top. And what I like to do is take some licorice, garnish the top with it, and now you have another incredible recipe using Australia-style licorice. Taste this. So check out this little fish here. This is a hybrid striped bass. So this is a farmed version of bass, black bass and a striped bass that have been bred together. But um, this is actually a farmed fish that I feel good about, that I can really get behind. I'm not a huge fan of farmed fish. There are a lot of environmental reasons, issues with them, but I really like these guys. So we're gonna take this fish today and we're gonna stuff it with a stuffing made of Swiss chard and fennel and garlic and some currants soaked in wine. And then we're gonna roast it in the oven and we're gonna serve it with a cherry, tomato, and basil compo. It's great, it's a really delicious kind of Mediterranean, very summery dish. And it's so great. And I really like stuffing whole fish. I love fish on the bone. The bones add lots of, lots of moisture and lots of flavor. It's, it's gonna be great. So I have a nice big pan here because I need a lot of space. And I'm gonna add some olive oil to my pan. A decent amount, a couple tablespoons of olive oil. You really want a good amount of olive oil in there. And then this is diced up fennel, and this is a whole fennel. And fennel is a vegetable that kind of tastes like licorice, but when you cook it, it gets really, really sweet and caramelized, and I love it. This is a very small fennel, a little baby fennel. So the diced fennel is gonna go right in there. And I'm also going to add some garlic to that. So I want to get a little bit of caramelization on the fennel. I'm letting it cook down. I want it to get soft, because fennel can be pretty crunchy. We want this soft, and we want it to start to brown a little, and that's what's happening. And now I'm going to add my garlic, because if I add the garlic too soon, the garlic will burn before the fennel's done. So the garlic can go in now. There. And we'll get that garlic going around. And we want to let the garlic get a little bit fragrant and a little bit soft, get a little color on it. But remember, don't burn your garlic. You have to be so careful when you saute garlic. Don't let it burn. Now, the garlic is starting to get uh, a little bit brown and it's starting to get fragrant. And that's usually when you know with garlic that it's time to move on, when you can smell it. So that's perfect. Now into here, I'm gonna add the Swiss chard. So this is shredded red Swiss chard, so it has the red stems. Swiss chard is a great vegetable. It's really, seriously, I would say my favorite vegetable. So we're gonna let the chard really wilt. And while that's starting to wilt, I'm gonna add a little bit of kosher salt and black pepper. Season that up. And I really wanna cook the water out of that chard. I wanna really let it cook down. So you wanna cook the chard until you don't really see a lot of water seeping out of it anymore, and that's how you know that it's done. And that's how you also know with vegetables that you're really gonna maximize the flavor. You wanna really cook the water out of your vegetables because water tastes like water. So once the water's gone, you'll actually taste the food. So this is exactly how I want it, really wilted down. And now I'm gonna put in these, which are currants, which are just teeny tiny raisins that have been soaked in some white wine, so they're nice and soft. And I'm just putting in a, like a tablespoon of those. You can add a little bit of that wine too, why not? 
And then just cook that until all that wine evaporates out because you want it to be dry and also you don't really want to taste the raw wine in there. So I'm going to let that cool down. Now, in the meantime, we're going to be serving this with a roasted grape tomato and basil compote. So I have some grape tomatoes here. All I'm going to do with that is coat them with some olive oil and then a little pinch of salt and pepper on those. Never underestimate the importance of salt in your cooking. Don't fear the salt. Embrace the salt in your cooking. Salt is what makes food taste like food. So just toss those up. The basil will add when it comes out of the oven because if you roast basil, it really loses its color and its flavor. So we're gonna add the basil later when it comes out. Okay, and then these will just get spread on a cookie sheet or a sheet pan. I'm going to pop those in the oven when we put the fish in the oven and we're going to roast everything all at the same time. These are going to take about 20-25 minutes to really roast. We want to get all the juice to flow out and then to start to caramelize. The fish will also take probably about 20-25 minutes to roast. So we'll put them in the oven at the same time. So meanwhile, set those guys aside. Here is the pan that I'm going to roast my fish in. So you want just a pan that, that has some sides so that things don't fall out, but also just that your fish is going to fit kind of tidily and, and you know, comfortably. You want that fish to be comfortable. So I'm just going to move some of this stuff out of the way so you can really see what I'm doing with this fish. Okay, so this is that little hybrid striped bass that I was talking about. And this one is about a pound and a half, two pounds. This is a perfect size for two people. If you were doing for more than two, you could do two fish or you could get a bigger fish. Set this aside. So what I want to do is take a really sharp knife and score the fish, which means just making some cuts in the flesh right down to the bone. You can actually see that I'm hitting the bone there. And what this does is it allows heat to penetrate right to the bone so that it cooks more quickly and more evenly like that. You also want to make sure that the fish has had the guts removed, obviously, that all the scales are removed. And I also take scissors and I trim off all the fins just to get them out of the way, basically. So this is ready to go. This fish looks good. Okay, so now what I want to do is I have to stuff the fish. So what I actually like to do is instead of putting the stuffing in the fish, I'm going to put the fish on the stuffing. It just makes it easier. So I'm going to take my stuffing and I'm going to build what I like to call like a coral reef for the fish to frolic on as it's cooking, like that. See, the cavity of the fish isn't that big, and I can't fit that much stuffing inside, so this way, instead, I'm gonna prop the fish up on top of its little coral reef of chard and currants over there. Now, before I do it, I'm gonna take some salt and pepper, and I'm just gonna season inside the fish and on both sides of the exterior. The whole, one of the reasons you roast fish whole is because the skin gets so crispy and delicious. So you want to season that skin up. And then I'm just going to take a little bit of olive oil, just on my fingers, and give that fish a little spa treatment. Just a little olive oil rub down. And that's going to help to keep that skin nice and crispy. Like that. How's that feel, fish? Feels good? You happy? Good. So now I'm going to place the fish right on top of that pile of stuffing like this. And you see how the sides of the fish kind of trap the stuffing in. And then to fit in the pan, we're going to do a little action pose like that. So it actually looks like it's swimming through the briny deep, just like that. And the skin is nice and oiled. And we'll give it a little extra salt and pepper just for a little extra love right there. 
So this is gonna go in the oven. A good rule of thumb for whole fish on the bone is you wanna go about 10 minutes per pound. So this is probably one and a half to two pounds. Just to be safe, we're gonna go about 20 minutes. But the best way to test for doneness is just to peek in where you scored the fish and it should look opaque at the bones. So we're gonna head to the oven with the fish and with the grape tomatoes. And they're gonna cook at the same time. Hold on. So check it out. This is what we did. We have our first course, which is this insane summer salad of zucchini and watermelon and corn and almonds and herbs. And it's fresh and bright and delicious and tastes like summer. We went to the Mediterranean and we have our whole roasted fish stuffed with fennel and Swiss chard and raisins served with roasted grape tomatoes with basil. So nice. Just remember when you serve it whole, be really careful about the bones. If you're serving it to little kids, be very careful about that. And even adults, because face it, everybody needs to be careful about fish bones. And then to finish it off, this, which is our lemon pudding souffle cake, which I just want to show you now what happens with this. So you can see how this separates out into the pudding layer and the souffle layer. So it's basically like two desserts in one. Double your dessert pleasure, double your dessert fun. Just like that. You could serve this with like a little bit of whipped cream or some powdered sugar, but frankly, I think it's good just on its own. All right, so this meal looks insane. I'm gonna go in the back and start eating all of this. And uh, thanks for joining us on Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food.